Of course it does. Happy Saturday. Good morning, Northland. Welcome to the Northland Sports Page. Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook. Dave Cook jamming out to his favorite song again. How are you, sir? I'm pretty good, man. I'm pretty good. Senior night last night at CSS Women's Hockey, so that's always fun. It was. Uh, it's good to see those kids you've been with for you know five years finally get a chance to graduate and they've got right. their degrees and you get to see what they're doing. Well, and the other thing that it means to us is it's only January 21st. But senior nights means seasons are wrapping up. Yep. But if you ask a coach or player, they're not. No, that they're right in the heat of the moment. That's true. But, uh, you know, sometimes, and, and this was something that Mark Wick used to do, right. you have your senior nights early. So get that, it out of the way? No, because he didn't want seniors to get injured as the season went on. You know, he didn't. He wanted all of them available. So they had their senior night right away ah. and then played the season. I you always thought that was interesting. You know who else is good at that? High school football teams. Because a lot of senior nights for high school football – are like the second week of the season. And some of these seniors on senior nights haven't actually been seniors in the hallways yet when that happens. It's like, yeah, you've been a senior for three days. Why not have senior night? Right. Congratulations on the uh, on the senior bit. Now that right. you've gotten that award, we'll see you sometime in the spring to graduate. Absolutely. So you and I talk in text, I would say more than people know because that's the bit. Yeah. But I think people know how often we talk in text. So I want you to explain to me one of yours last night because you said senior night, five seniors, Four sheets of paper. Yeah. Now, mathematically, does that mean that everybody wrote a lot and there yes, was a lot to talk about? Does. Or does everybody get a page and somebody forgot? No, no. We had uh, a couple players that maybe hadn't had the uh, a depth of information, shall we say, uh, in their in their senior posting. Uh, they got to share one page. But, I mean, the thing about, and I think we're going to see that more over the next couple of years, the COVID year. Gave these. I mean, one of our players' first goal was in 2018, Brian. Oh wow! So they had an injury, and then they had the COVID year. So I think we're gonna. I think as public. So how do you start guys, that? Is it this senior's been with us since the Obama administration? I mean, right. how do you how do you yes, go that route? No, you start with talking about. And yes, I know. 2018 senior, doesn't qualify. Don't send me an email. The, the the great senior, and she was an absolute captain and leader, and and all that stuff. Taylor Murray's been fantastic, but it was weird to say scored her first goal in 2018. Right, that's crazy to think about, especially when you think what the sports world and the world in general has been through since then. She's been through it all, but go ahead. She has. I, the one that's interesting, because you know her as well, and, and I've always thought of her as this kid, because we've seen her grow up. We know her brother, Derek, right? Yeah. And that's Mariah, so talking about Mariah, Mariah Hadrick. Sure. Mariah Hadrick has been around our arena one way or another since she was like 10. And so the fact that she is now a full-grown adult who has a full-grown job as a nurse, who is finishing out her college career it's really cool because we've got a chance to see her grow up, you know, and right. it, as a college public address person, you get, you know, often you get these kids and you see them for a flash in a pan. Some people stay one year, some people stay, stay, they transfer out, whatever it is. And we've gotten to see her grow as a local kid all the way through to this point. And she's an amazing person and she's going to be fantastic. She really is. So let me ask you this. What does that do for you as an announcer when you see somebody that you've known since age 10 to 12 or what have you, yep. or even since their freshman season, graduate because for me they all stop at 18 at the prep level but then you see them come back to alumni functions and they're 30 and they've got oh, kids right. and you're like oh man i've been doing this maybe for too long yeah the css baseball team is that way for right me. you know they're they're so tight all the way through and they're and they still are but the, i don't i don't see them until all of a sudden they come in with their wife and their three kids and it's like oh my right. god how old am i or the worst part is oh yeah i know you because i graduated with your dad suddenly i feel like joe merkinich joe merkinich used to say that to everybody at east <laughs> i i thought the the one that i th i read this week was uh was it the uh the refresh or the rookie for the uh Houston Rockets pulled LeBron aside and said, hey, you played against my dad. Yeah, he was with Sacramento, your <laughs> right. first NBA game ever. Yeah. And LeBron went, oh, man, why'd you say that to me? Right. No, but that's the coolest thing about public address. And it's a little tougher in hockey because they're always wearing helmets, so you don't always right. get to see the person. Right. right. Um, I have a huge advantage there with basketball. You yeah. get to know these kids rather well. Yep. And, and like with Taylor Murray last night, Taylor Murray and I talked a lot when she was a kid, but then as she be gotten older and, you know, wasn't in the penalty box, frankly, as much. Right, you don't uh, see them quite as often as they're disciplined. Right, but it was really um, good last night. Last night was cervical cancer awareness night. Right, and one of our players, um, her mom is suffering with it, and, and it's not going well. And and just know that we're praying for you. Um, but that's one of, I mean, to have that connection in there too, 
is that, you know, as a parent, you know, as, and, and in this case, you know, I know you're not a parent, but those kids are all yours, all those players. No, my dogs are going to be upset with you. I am a parent, <laughs> apparently. But you know how it is when, when the players that you're with, right. they become important to you. They right? absolutely do. And so when you I spend see, more time with my winter sports family than I do with my family in the winter. I hear that. Right. But you, you, you get that. So when one of your kids is hurting, you know, you are too. And so last night was, was kind of a big deal for one of our players. Of course. And so you, you give a little bit extra as well. I'll tell you, that's the one thing I've found this year. For some reason, I'm diving into uh, the intros, like cannonball style <laughs> instead of building. And you get done with it and you're like, okay, my voice hurts. Did I overdo that? Because I might have overdone that. And then you come home and you're like, hey, Dana, how are you? Right. She goes, would you stop with that? Well, and for me, it's just the overall, I guess, fatigue of it. Because I said to you yesterday afternoon when we talked, you said, what do you have tonight? And I said, you know what, Dave? Nothing. Occasionally, I get a Friday night where I don't have a game, and you said, wow, what's wrong with you? And I said, nothing, because today's the 21st of January. I have two games this afternoon. Those will be games 25 and 26 in 21 days in January. I'm shot. Yeah, no, that's crazy. I agree. And you know, and, and the funny thing is, and I mean, you do one tournament, right? You have your all-day thing. Yeah. It's not like you run tournament after tournament after no. tournament. These are I had one day of seven, teams. but yep. the other days are just ridiculous. If you've seen my schedule and you don't like a hectic work schedule, you don't want to see my schedule. How about that? Yeah, right. The other piece is radio is not a visual medium, but I don't know if you know this, but you and I are both wearing the exact same thing we did Tuesday when we did high school <laughs> hockey together when uh, Duluth East beat Duluth Denfeld. I, I looked at you and I looked at me and I thought, hmm, at least we either do laundry quite often or we're very lazy. Yeah, one of those two things, exactly. Or both. Yeah, could be both. Right, so congratulations to the seniors at CSS last night, and congratulations to the Vikings fans that said they'd be one and done. You nailed it. Congratulations. Wow, you know, that's the one thing that's tough with fans who are super negative. Like, I'm not positive, right? But I'm not like burn it to the ground guy. Right. Um, when they're right. <laughs> because now you get it, you know, both barrels. See, this is da 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 That's the ultimate question for me. It's one thing to be negative. It's one thing to be pessimistic. Minnesota sports has taught us to do that. In fact, it's darn near impossible at times to fight your way beyond it and not be that way. But would you rather be, again, to quote your dad, pleasantly surprised, or would you rather be right? Because there are plenty of negatives, and you're right, and they were puffing their chest out. Yeah, I told you, they're fraudulent. Well, you can't win a big game with Kirk Cousins, one and done, typical. Yeah, you're right. Are you happy you're right? You shouldn't be. Yeah, no, I... But I think there's a lot of people who are happy. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think... Check Twitter. There's some people who would love to be right as long as they're... Negatively correct. So dad was never happy he was wrong. Right. He was well, just, he would be happy he was wrong. He just assumed he was always going to so be. So he wasn't happy he was right. Right. He, uh, he yes, correct. He, he wasn't looking forward to having them be bad so he could puff his chest out. He just did that to uh, solidify his, his feelings. So when they were, then he didn't get, you know, crushed like some right. of the people that I currently sit with. Um, or uh, I wouldn't know, say I was had, crushed. Oh, I've seen you in football. I've seen it. You get the ground down at the end of the game. You come back pretty well. But at the end of the game, you're like, right. He never got to that point. But I get ground down by people who don't want to think because I really got ground down by people who went, well, there you go. There's typical Kirk in a big moment. And absolutely at a big moment where he failed. But the people that managed to look at that entire game, losing to the Giants and walked away from it after watching a high school caliber defense and went, well, freaking Kirk, there you go. I can't help you. Are you serious? I, so both of those last two things you said are true. Big moment. Kirk's been fantastic in big moments all year. And in the one big moment at the end of the season that matters, he went back to previous Kirk. Right. So that part, but I But one play with, out of how many? But one play out. You wouldn't, have been, you wouldn't have been in the playoffs without Kirk Cousins' play this year. And you know me. I was never a guy. I was a guy who said, you know, maybe we ought to turn Kirk Cousins over. Right. They wouldn't have been in the playoffs without Kirk Cousins during the regular season. It's well, been. And again, I've told you time and time again that I'm 100% guilty of spending too much time on social media. And I just had to laugh eventually, even though I wrote a column that really didn't sound like I was laughing in defense of Kirk. But people just, you know, the darts were being thrown. The keyboard warriors were at the ready to just slam Kirk Cousins. And it was funny to me because Kirk Cousins shouldn't have had to defend himself, and I didn't see anywhere where he did. Yet nobody wanted to take the correct shot at the defenders who probably wouldn't have defended themselves because they couldn't defend anything else that day. You know who did do that, defended uh, Kirk and let the defense fry? O'Connell. Yeah, (laughs) because he, He has a quarterback who I think he was pretty frustrated with that play. 
Um, but he fired a defensive coordinator, and I think you're going to see a mass exodus on the players on that side too. Well, and that's going to be the piece that needs to be figured out because it was going to be the chicken or the egg conversation. Is it the players? Is it the scheme? Is it the guy in charge? Is it more than one of those? Because the guy in charge is now going to change. We don't know to who, but is the scheme going to change? And contractually speaking, how many of the personnel is going to change too? Yeah, that's the last part's the question. I think 100% the scheme is going to change. Now, it may it may start as a base 3-4 because that's kind of what they brought Harrison Phillips in for, and I thought he had a really good year. Right. But I think it's going to – I think they've seen that Daniil Hunter is not a 3-4 three, a three, outside linebacker, and he's their best player on defense. So I think they're going to change it somehow. I mean, you see some of those unique college defenses where they're, you know, like two five fours, where they have two defensive linemen. Well, one's here's the a problem. Tackle. The Vikings defensively, especially against the Giants, some were playing 3-4, some were playing 4-3, some were playing nickel, and all in the same play. Yes. I guarantee you when PA joins us just after 11 – because he brought it up all week on his own show, he'll talk about, I've never seen so many missed assignments and guys running into each other and guys pointing, you're supposed to be over there. Week one, week two, I'll give you even week five. Yes. That will happen. First round of the playoffs, that should not happen. Correct. Alex Boone said it best for me. He said it looked like a combination 3-4 and Tampa 2, which... That that mix doesn't work. Yeah, six guys playing one and five guys playing the other. Correct. That's what it looked like. Well, and it is ironic that Alex Boone finally said something correct about the Vikings because when he played, he didn't do much correct for the no, Vikings. He's an interesting analyst. He is. Though. His his podcasts are quite good, good. Probably better than his offensive line play. Truly better than his offensive line. Play. I'm not a huge fan of the Common Man program on this very station. I do listen to it, but I'm not a huge fan. But one of his statements that he uses quite often is something can be historically good or biblically biblically bad. Sorry, I botched it, so I don't listen. Maybe close enough. Biblically bad might be a good way to describe this defense, which got you and I to think about historically or biblically bad defenders in Minnesota sports. That's where we're going to start today because we were laughing at the concept. Yeah, no, the concept's great. The information is a little bit hard. It's hard to quantify um, this because, I mean, you can go through all kinds of lists and you're like, well, they weren't weren't that bad. So it's really got to be, you know, reputation, what it looked like. And then you can always go back to the books and, and discover that's true. But originally, just finding lists of people by number right. and, and why, that's a difficult call. I was going to say, it's so much harder to find the bad ones because I feel like bad defense is only talked about when it's really bad. It's a little bit like batting average in the big leagues now. You know, you talk yeah. about the really good ones, you talk about the really bad ones, you don't talk about much anything in between. Defensively, especially in football, which is where we can start if you want, because we started there to top the show with the Vikings season coming to an abrupt end. But defensively in football, you can mask it because if you're really good at pressuring the quarterback, you don't have to be good at covering receivers, flip it, vice versa. Or if you're a ball hawking defense, which the Vikings were some weeks. Yeah, no. And I think that's one of the reasons that they did win 13. There were times when we turned the ball over at the right time. Um, I think the first one that I saw that was the most interesting was Dwayne Clements. Um, Defensive end, defensive tackle. Um, was drafted another highly touted draft pick drafted that the Vikings high. goofed yep. yeah um, but he played a couple years and did absolutely nothing and the greatest sin might be that Ray Lewis was drafted just a few picks after the other one and you and I la- we mentioned the name and you and I both laughed because his nickname was the eraser right and that's Erasmus James like he didn't even like football <laughs> right. he said so I wish you could erase him from the Vikings draft history it's interesting that we start with defensive ends because obviously the purple people leaders all the history you know, the Vikings, when you think of their good defenses, yes. usually think of defensive linemen and probably the ends, but there always was the other guy. You know, I mentioned Ray Edwards because he played alongside yeah. Jared Allen and the Williams wall. Now, did he have good numbers? Yes. But those other three guys are why? Yeah. He's remembered really well for a player for being who, the other yes, guy that nobody uh-huh. paid attention 100%. to. And then as soon as they did, he disappeared. It's like the fourth guy in the purple people eaters. Well, and what else did you bring up in between the purple people eaters and in between the Williams or sorry, before the Williams wall, but after the purple people eaters, Al Noga was similar. Now I liked Al Noga a lot, but it was Dolman, Millard, everybody else. And oh yeah, Noga's on the end. Yeah. And, and he was the guy, his, you know, he was basically in a four point track stance and that's all he did was run up field and you'd think, God, this guy can do this and he can do that. And then they'd end the season with a sack and a half right. because everybody else was doing the work and he just kind of ran himself out of the play. Like the jo- Lance Johnstone, right? Yeah, Lance Similar Johnstone, Kenny Mixon, just about every defensive line acquisition hey, that the Kenny Vikings Willick made has, as a big difference maker. Currently, 
Kenny Willickis, who's on the on the uh, practice squad, right from Michigan State. Right, he plays like that. But at least he's a young kid that we brought in for Correct. us. Hundred percent. When I look at free agent acquisitions or even trade acquisitions, and Jared Allen, you can tune out because you're the absolute exception. You know, the Vikings brought you over, and you're a Ring of Honor guy, and probably one of the best ever to play for the Purple. Yep. But I felt like a lot of defensive linemen that the Vikings brought over, whether they played or not, hashtag Michael Pierce, didn't really work out very well because, again, the Lance Johnstones, the Kenny Mixons, we were always trying to shore up the pass rush, and we never really did that very well. Well, the one thing we did do well is when we shored up the run defense, we brought in Pat Williams, we brought in Jerry Ball, guys who could play that role. But you're right. When we bring in pass rushers, it's like, what in the world are we looking at? Well, and if you want to go to the defensive line, out to the linebackers, into the secondary eventually. I think the same theory applies to linebackers because most of the ones that were brought in because they were a big name somewhere else weren't a big name here. I mean, I think of being super excited that Chris Claiborne was signed here because he was a menace against us in Detroit. For the Vikings, I can think of one play that Chris Claiborne made, and it was when the Vikings won a playoff game at Lambeau. I think he got a sack on the first third down, and it was a tone setter for the day. But after that, it was, oh, yeah, Chris Claiborne plays here. I remember being jacked that Dixon Edwards signed here. Yeah. He was okay, but he wasn't terrific by any stretch. I remember the Moss trade being livid at the Moss trade. except You didn't want Napoleon Harris, or you did? Except Napoleon Harris was a pretty good ball player, right. and, and he did absolutely nothing. You know, the one. So I was thinking about what we had talked about in the car. The guys who actually we picked up who were worth what we picked, I could think of one Mike Merriweather. Yes. I can't think of another. But I also I mean, think you and I can't put out of our heads that he was one of our favorites anyway. Well, that that could be true. But when he came here, he delivered at the level we wanted him to. He did. Uh, we had that what run What about Greg of, Beekert? I was going to say, we had that run of middle linebackers where they were all horrible. Yeah. Greg Beekert came in and provided stability. And Jack Del Rio came over here and was pretty good, too. He was right after Beekert. But we are talking about the worst defenders yes. because all 11 that were on the field for just about every play against the Giants would be eligible. When you go to the secondary, isn't it the low-hanging fruit? Because for the last... I don't know, 10 years at least, the Vikings' pass coverage has made you wince every time an opposing quarterback has dropped back. Yeah, you've got a handful of guys, and they never seem to go after those guys. They always go after the other guys. Right. The one that you reminded me of over the over the week, which just dawned on me, how could I not thought of Asher Allen? Yeah. Because Asher Allen came in as a third-round draft pick, liked him, thought it was a decent pick. Uh, never, ever. Like, he, we put him into a spot because he was going to be successful now and was absolutely eaten alive. Well, and what about the second safety that we were always looking for to play next to Harrison Smith and play well? Jamarca Sanford, Tyrell Johnson, Benny Sapp, insert safety here, and it just didn't work. The current now, guy. Anderson Dejo did, but other than that, it was, what are we doing? Yeah, Anderson Dejo couldn't play anywhere else, but he knew how to play next to Harrison Smith. Right. The, uh, the current guy, I think, is running into that, too. I think we had a lot of hopes for that guy. And I don't think he's going to be much either. We, now we need Lewis. So you're not sold on Cam Bynum. Right. Or um, you couldn't remember him because you kept calling him that guy. Cam Bynum. No. Okay. Um, but the, <laughs> Got him. The, the Lewis scene is going to be, he, he needs to play next year and he needs to play well because he's, he's next to fill that role. Well, and how many corners? Hopefully because Harrison Smith, we'll get to this sooner or later. Harrison Smith's the one guy I think they should keep. Well, and how many corners didn't play well? I mean, Bashad Breeland was a topic last year until he left because of how bad he was. You look at Cedric Griffin and his biggest claim to fame, he was okay, but it's because he played on the other side of Antoine Winfield, who was otherworldly. So I think Cedric Griffin might have been better than we thought, but he got picked on because you couldn't do that to Antoine Winfield. You look at a guy named Chris Cook, no relation to you, thank goodness. The only time he defended well, he was in the courtroom. Yeah, and, and another guy that he was one of those guys we drafted, and we said, why did we draft that guy? That was the year we didn't have a first-round pick. Right. He was our first pick. That was a Tebow draft, I think. Uh, and he was our first pick, and it was like, gosh, I don't even know that guy. Well, now I know why. I mean, I do a lot of work on the draft. I love the draft, and I went, Chris Cook. Well, we're talking about corners, and we're talking about drafts. Where do you put Mike Hughes? Because he wasn't good here. He's still in the league. He's not really great anywhere, but he was injured yeah. here. Does that make him bad, or does that make him incomplete? That makes him incomplete. That Which makes is ironic, injured. because most passes weren't his direction. But, uh, but that's so your fear of Lewis Seen right now, right? Um, and it's going to be the question that uh, uh, Quazy is going to have to answer for until this year's draft. We see what those players can do next year. His first his first draft was abysmal, and it's all secondary guys, right? I mean, Booth Jr., who we all have high hopes for. He, I, what did he play? Seven plays? Right. Lewis Seen didn't even see the, pl- the field as an NFL starter before he got hurt. 
And the Evans kid, you know, hopefully he can come back from two concussions back to back. A lot of guys don't. All right, so how are we going to come back from being pressed for time? Because we've got three other sports to tackle. Right, Minnesota's fast. worst defenders. Let's do the and wild. we've got nine minutes to do it. So we're going to do the wild first. Yeah, let's do the wild All right, first. Top of my list is Martin Skula uh, as a defenseman a good one. for the wild. Yep. I, I was going to say my top line was Ryan Donato. Like he had all these skills. The one thing he couldn't do, they say he that guy's really good because he plays a 200-foot game. Yeah, Ryan right. Donato played about an 80-foot game. So I'm glad that you did that because I was going to ask you, how do you measure a forward's defensive capabilities in hockey, especially at the pro level? Because Effort. Well, because here's what I assume, though. If you're a good goal scorer, nobody cares. Because I know you've told me that Connor McDavid actually plays a good 200-foot game. That's great. But he's such a gifted offensive player, I don't think anybody cares that he might not back-check the best or what have you. And then the other side of the coin is Miko Koivu wasn't a tremendous offensive player, in my opinion. Somebody will dispute that. But he was a very good defensive forward. So I feel like the ones who can't score, you magnify their defense. The ones who can, you don't even notice. So yeah. interesting that you picked a forward right away. Miko was an offensive compiler. Let's just call well, it Well, yes. Um, I think the worst defensive player is one of my favorite college players of all time, and that's Thomas Vanek. Right. Vanek was Which, again, got spotlighted because he did nothing here offensively. But defensively, he was embarrassing. He was he was not good as a gopher, but you know he was the best forward in college hockey, right? right. He could score anytime he wanted. But when he got to Minnesota and played for the Wild... Good God. I mean, there's a guy that played nine-foot hockey wherever he was standing. Right. Um, it was just hard to watch. you know. And that, part of that is injury. Part of that is age. But we're talking about defensive players with a while. And when he was here, he was bad. Right. What about offensive defensemen who get that label because they like to contribute on the score sheet, but then sometimes they do that, sacrificing their defensive game because the current guy who's been a healthy scratch now a couple of times, including today, Matt Dumba is on that list, obviously. He is, and he's been on there since since really he started. But you know who else was on that list? And he got he ended up not being able to find a position here and then got traded with Brett, Brett Burns. Burns. Burns couldn't play. He was not a good defensive defenseman. Right. He could do almost anything. I always say I that Brent Burns tired. wasn't necessarily great here, and people just blast me for it. We couldn't find a spot, you know, and, right. then, and we kind of threw our hands in the air. Um, we knew he was talented. Brent but Burns is the do with him? Minnesota NHL David Ortiz, but because of where he did elsewhere, he didn't do it here. Almost Percy Harvin-esque, though, when a he little played bit. here. Less of a headache, but yes. Because you couldn't, oh, Brian. Because they couldn't find a spot for him to regularly sit down in. Um, but yeah, then he went to San Jose, grew up a little bit, right? And turned into an NHL Hall of Famer. What about the ultimate defenders? We haven't picked necessarily a bad goalie, because I don't necessarily remember the Wild having bad goalies. I remember trying really hard to find a bona fide number one. Yeah. And Devin Dubnik solidified that for a while, and they've had a decent run since then. But I don't necessarily think of terrible goalies for the Wild. I think they tried to start with that because, again, you build a hockey team from the back end out, but you had Jacques Lemaire running this team. They were going to win defensively early on. Yeah, no, and and I think they've always had, you know, average or better goalie. I can't think of somebody who played a lot of games. Right, I was going to say, do you, do you unfairly maybe scrutinize Manny Fernandez? I mean, he was one of the early was, ones. He wasn't he was bad. Okay he wasn't well. great. Yeah, the, the one, when you say bad goaltender for Minnesota, I think Darcy Kemper. Sure. And, and look what he's become. Surprising. Wow. Every time, no. But you, every, you put him on a team that puts up six, he looks pretty good. Yeah, and but that's what it takes. If you're a goaltender and you... You, you tried scores. to flash the ring at me. Even the bad ones get one. I'm married and I'm not exactly a supermodel. <laughs> no, so here's but, a ring for you. But... But Darcy was the starting goaltender right. for, that, no, I get for it. that team with a ring. And so, but here, maybe he's David Ortiz, right? Because here, we he just couldn't get a spot. But I don't think he's going to have a Hall of Fame career. He's just got a Agreed. championship, and we're Agreed. championship starved. I get that. Let's go to the team that actually has a couple championships, the Twins, because baseball is really an interesting mechanism to talk defense because they do obviously award their great ones with gold gloves, what have you. We don't usually talk about the ones that you wish never brought their gloves to the ballpark. Yeah, I, I think my favorite story... Uh, that I heard again recently, this week actually, was about putting Sano in right field. Yeah. And Patrick Royce hands this story out, and he said, you know, I saw them put Sano in the outfield, and I said to myself, all right, well, he's got a great arm. He's pretty athletic. Maybe he'll be okay. And then, and then I, he watched an inning. And then I saw them having Oswaldo Arcia teaching him to play right field, and it was like, oh, my God, are we in trouble. Oswaldo Arcia couldn't catch a ball, Brian. He might be one of the worst ones ever. Absolutely correct. And it's interesting because the Twins obviously had some years where they played similar to a Little League baseball team, but you always hear in Little League, while well, the, the non-gifted defender goes in right field. And for a long time, the Twins had that too. Now, they don't now because Max Kepler's only selling point to me is his defense, and yep. even that I think is a little bit oversold. But you look at Miguel Sano's experiment there. Trevor Plouffe 
played out there for a short time because yep. he really couldn't find a good spot defensively. He'd be on this list for me. Joe Maurer, I believe, played a game there. You know, you mentioned Arcia, right field. Pedro Munoz, way back in the day, was a terrible right fielder. You look at route running in the outfield. Jake Jake Cave <laughs> does every Jake Cave does everything about it wrong. <laughs> everything about it I wrong. About Clay Thomas did everything about it wrong. I mean, there's a lot of bad outfielders in the Twins' history. Well, and we have a lot of guys, as you said earlier, who couldn't find a spot. Who were uh, Danny Santana is going to come up right. as shortstop, right? And played some center field and, and played, played it some, poorly. Played center, played some right, and played it poorly. Exactly. Um, I remember the first guy that. I was I was brought up to not like his defensive, and that was Willie Norwood. That's the first time I ever heard somebody compare a baseball player to Michael Jackson, right? He has one glove on for no apparent reason. Ah, nice. Was right? it sequined by chance? Well, perhaps. He never it used it. It wasn't bedazzled because it certainly wasn't dazzling <laughs> at all. It wasn't used. Right. I'm going to ask you about a couple more right fielders, or yeah. at least that played out there, and I'm going to ask if the criticism is fair, because what makes a good or bad defender? Because I don't remember Jock Jones not catching a ball he should have caught very often. But his arm was a rag. You you just didn't have a good arm in right field with Jock Jones. Right. He, Does he get the label of a bad defender because of one part of it? Yeah, it's an important part. Here's here's my my take. The uh, left fielder that well, oh, goodness gracious, the left fielder. I'll that, help. Just keep that we just me had in. that we traded who won an uh, Eddie Rosario. Thank you, Eddie Rosario. This and, is fun. Do I win anything when I get <laughs> Eddie that? Eddie Rosario and Jock Jones. If you made one player, you'd have one. All star, and you'd have one guy that didn't belong because Eddie majors. Rosario's routes were terrible too. But his arm was an absolute hose. Yes, and yeah. his con- but his concentration level was terrible. Oh right? my goodness! Ask Topher Davis about that. We were at a Mets Twins game, and I let Eddie Rosario have it for four innings for dropping <laughs> a routine ball. See, that's I mean, I don't. A lot of people give Eddie Rosario credit because of one play in Boston. Yes, where he picked the ball through an absolute laser beam and got the final out of a game. Right. Um, okay, there's his play. Find me another. <laughs> well. Here's the thing. You could actually point to several like that because he got a lot of outfield assists. You know how we say with Kirk Cousins, he dug the Vikings out of a hole that maybe he created. Yep. Eddie Rosario got outfield assists because he botched the ball one base earlier. The runner took a chance and he threw him out. It happened quite often. Yeah. And you know, another guy and not in the outfield who probably cost himself a career specifically because of his defense and his manager was Todd Walker. Yeah. Todd Walker was Tom a Kelly good, could not stand Todd stand Walker and called him college guy. Right. Todd Walker was a switch hitting second baseman who could hit, right? right? But he was not a good fielder. Um, we'll talk about in worst defenders ever. We'll talk about Soriano here in a bit. But um, he, uh, Todd Walker, was a guy that in today's day and age, he's not just a starting second baseman. He's an all-star second baseman because nobody cares about defense anymore. They switched every or you know they they slid everybody over to one side, and he would have been fine. Well, speaking of not caring about defense anymore. It's masked when you're a pretty good hitter because the Twins have had some bad catchers who could hit. AJ could hit. Didn't throw anybody out. Brian Harper was a fabulous hitter. Made some defensive plays in the 91 World Series, shockingly enough, because the rest of most of his seasons, defensively, he was a joke. That's why Junior Ortiz got opportunities. 100%. You know, Gary Sanchez, who wasn't as bad of a catcher as they was made out to be in New York, right. still not a good catcher. Right. You know, and, and then we had... You know, the guys in the 70s where we weren't all that good. Weininger was a decent catcher, but Dave Engel was not, right? And so we've had our share. The thing about Twins is we've never really had uh, a catcher who's all around. Well, and we've had the Twins way. The Twins defense really can't be picked on too badly. Now, it was bad in recent years, but for a long time, it was the reason the Twins could win because while everybody else was hitting home runs, outside of the Bomba squad, the Twins never really had that. But you look at, you know, shortstops that didn't make it as shortstops. Or Polanco would be one. Brian Dozier would be another. Trevor Plouffe would be another. Nishioka. Have to ask you about Michael Kadire because he's my favorite player, not named Kirby Puckett in Twins history. But he played a lot of positions and was serviceable. Yep. Heavy on the air quotes at all of them. But you sent me worst defensive analytics in the history of baseball, and Michael Kadire was in the top 100. So the reason he was serviceable at every position is because he wasn't good at supposedly any of them. Does he get a bad defender label for that? Well, yeah. I mean, that's part of the problem with yeah. that. With that, uh, But here's the thing. Nick Gordon is Kadair light. Right. Very light. Very light. light. Yeah. Um, plus, and we've had some bad third basemen, though. I mean, if you look at, you know, you think of Greg Gagne, who. That's it, a good shortstop. Right. But how much better of a shortstop was he? Than because Gary Gaetti was next to him? Well, that and Pally Rulo was there and Leas was there. We had all kinds of third basemen who couldn't field because Gagne took up a lot of space. When we, you just don't love Jamie Carroll enough, do you? So, you remember his yes. life on the left side? Yikes. Um, but that goes back to what I wanted to quick say, and I know we don't have a ton of time. 
Uh, Jeter gets hammered all the time for bad defense. But I want you to look at his second baseman. Right. Alfonso Soriano might be the worst. The worst. And he had Chuck Knobloch when Chuck Knobloch couldn't throw to first base. Correct. Chuck was good here. I won't put him on the list here. Chuck everywhere else probably makes said list. So on because of this list, I think Greg Gagne should get additional points because of his third baseman. I think Jeter needs to get some understanding because of his second baseman. Well, and we have to close with the Timberwolves. We're a little bit behind schedule, yep. so we can go really quick. Yep. But that's the thing. We can go really quick. Like the Vikings, this year's team, everybody would be eligible. Defensively, they're just not right. good. They've had the Matador defense a lot. Kevin Love was not a great defender. But it starts and ends with a guy that you took the D out of his name on purpose. Not Ed Onatel, because people did that too, <laughs> but Ricky Avis, a.k.a. Yeah. Ricky Davis. Yeah, there's been so many you know, Ole guys. You've made a good one with Love. But think about all the reclamation projects we've had, and they're almost always bad defensively. Right. You know, from Darko to Anthony Bennett. To the Candyman, who was just bad at basketball. Yeah, I mean, the Timberwolves, probably their biggest problem is defensively since Mussey left, has that's been their Achilles heel. Even their bad offensive centers didn't compensate defensively good enough. The Rosho Nesterovichs of the world, Felton and Luke, yep. might have done okay elsewhere, didn't do it here necessarily. Well, and, and let's talk Rudy right now. His weakest, I mean, what he brought, his greatest strength hasn't particularly been fantastic here. Well, and the other difficulty is his availability. But we mentioned the uh, Matador defense. Did you know that that has a theme song? Wait, here's the Matador theme song. I get Olé. it. Nice. That's the end of the first segment. When we come back, Dave Hoops is with us. We're the Northland Sports Page. Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook. No defending our first segment, but we don't have to. Stick uh-huh. around. We'll be right back. Back here on the Northland Sports Page, Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook. We got done with segment one. It was all about no defense or no defending in the history of Minnesota sports. No defending our failure to mention our sponsors in segment one. We'll do it right away here in segment number two. Absolutely. Let's, we always have to start with the OG, the original, the guy that's had, carried us through some thick times and some thin times. Arola Architecture Studio, OAR Holdings, Sammy's Pizza, Advantage Emblem and Screen Printing, Justin May at Messina & Associates, Avenue 45, The Blackwoods Group, Brian Bement Mortgages with Supreme Lending, Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Kohler Toyota, Kohler Hyundai, Stewart's Bikes, Sports and Trophies, The Incline Station, and Hoops Brewing. And who should we talk to now, Brian? I think Dave Hoops of Hoops Brewing would be a tremendous idea. We bumped in with one of his favorite songs, Here Comes the Sun. I'm not sure weather-wise if that will be true today, but it's usually sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows with Dave Hoops. I want to know how you're going to be sunshiny about the Vikings' failure to get it done against the Giants last weekend. And good morning, sir. Uh, good morning. So I'm on my way to Cornucopia as soon as we're done here for the yearly get-together and sauna out in the woods with my buddies. Um, so that is pretty sunny, although that is, it won't be. That is. You're um, able to be chipper yeah. even though your favorite team is out of the NFL playoffs. I appreciate that. Well, you know, and that's, it's okay. You know, I, I'm real comfortable being wrong. I, uh, it, I, it was pretty cringe-worthy watching uh, Jones look like, uh, you know, Tom Brady reincarnate. Um, yes, we knew the defense, our defense was tough. Uh, yes, uh, Kurt's last pass was tough. But, you know, Dave mentioned it earlier. I just am not negative about my team. And I got over it in about five minutes, and I'm thinking about next year. It's not that hard. You know, I'm with you. That's that's kind of the difference. I know Dave tried to call me out and say I got kind of ground down by that loss. I, I really this didn't time. this time around. I really didn't. I Dave wasn't with me. It was shocking to me that Dave was watching it, but I really wasn't ground down this time. Oh, my gosh. I watched it. That's the problem. There you go. There Uh, is the playoff loss. It's not the defense. It's not Kirk. It's that Dave Cook tuned in. That was the big difference. But I I think you're right, Dave Hoops. Daniel Jones, you called it Tom Brady reincarnate. Sprinkle in a little bit of present day or healthy Lamar Jackson because a quarterback who could run, the Vikings couldn't figure that out either. No, it was really, really hard to watch. Um, And, you know, we still were in it, you know, and that's, People are going to throw rocks at Kirk, but, you know, he maybe thought TJ would break out or, you know, yeah, we get a first down there. It, I was still thinking overtime. I was 100%, right? And then when it happened, it happened. Okay, now I'm thinking about who am I going to watch this weekend? You know, that's the thing. Well, and I want to go that direction because in Minnesota, we kind of have to be good at that, unfortunately, because our teams, for the most part, do bow out. Do you have somebody that you're absolutely, you know, on the bandwagon rooting for? Or maybe if you had to gun to head, put money on a game who you like? Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't like them at all, but I'm going to pick Dallas today. Um, the only player I like on the team is Dak. I always liked him, although he's been tough lately. I think he has a three-touchdown day, and I, you know, I'm predicting a field goal for a 30-28 to 28 win, which is probably not going to be a real popular pick, but that's my, that's my underdog pick. Well, I think the one that I'm interested in seeing is the Giants again because I don't think they have what it takes to get it done at Philadelphia this evening. 
but I'd like to see it because I'm not an Eagles fan, but I can only imagine when you talk about hostile environments, what at Philadelphia in an evening game is going to be like today. Or the Giants. Right. Division matchup, hated rivals, and it's at night. We like to talk about, you know, Minnesotans getting their party on before kickoff and having a little extra zest, let's just say. Eagles fans don't even need that encouragement. The NFL gives them an opportunity today to be a, a real menace for the Giants, I think. Oh, it's it's terrible because the Eagles have been our nemesis, you know, including that Super Bowl knockout. Um, and it, the funny thing is, I don't like either of these teams at all. I want the Giants to lose. I don't want the Eagles to win. But I dare say the only people out there that the fans hate more than their own team tonight will be the Giants. It, it should be fun to watch. You know? It should be. What about the Jaguars? On paper, you could say they've got no shot against the Chiefs. Is it going to resonate that way on the field, too, or are they going to be the darlings? Now, they're going to lose uh, 40 to 27, but um, Mahomes is going to throw a couple picks, uh, which has been a little bit of a kryptonite for him and Josh lately. And, uh, but he's going to make up for it with his awesomeness. And, you know, I just cannot still get over that win against uh, Herbert, my, my, my guy. That was really impressive. You got to give the haircut a lot of love. And, you know, he's 6'6. He doesn't look that big. Right. You know, but he's a much bigger guy than you think about. I think it'll be a fun game. And, you know, I could be 100% wrong. It could be a 3% uh, three point game. It's super fun to watch. But I think it's going to be a pretty significant win for KC. Absolutely. The only reason I wasn't shocked by the Chargers collapse is because even though I picked them and got it wrong, some of my analysis of it was right because I picked the Chargers over the Jaguars last weekend, but I said with the caveat of as long as the Chargers in the big moments don't continue to be the Minnesota Vikings of the AFC, and they certainly did in a bigger way, blowing a 27 to nothing lead, and the ironic part is some people wonder if Brandon Staley will still be available for a new job this offseason. I don't think he will. I think the Chargers will keep him, but people are already pining for that as being a new defensive coordinator replacement, and He's a good defensive mind, but part of me goes, yeah, he's perfect. He pees down his leg in a big moment. It would be the, <laughs> the prototypical Viking, wouldn't it? Yeah, they, they have a – you're right. They have a certain amount of MO, much like ourselves. Uh, nice offense. <laughs> their, their running back is just all world. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be watching this closely. I feel bad that they had to fire um, Ed, but come on. I mean, he had to know. It was pathetic. Really tough to watch. Yeah, we're going to find out if it was the person in charge, the personnel, or the scheme, or if all of those things are going to change by the time the Vikings take the field again come this fall. But before we go to Dave Hoop's kind of life-rounded questions, I want to talk to you about what's going on at the brewery, because there's been a lot of things that Dave Cook and I have touched on. One of them, for the good of Dave's son, Aaron, whether he wants us to or not. Yeah, he's going to love this. Because Aaron Cook (laughs) is one of the most fabulous individuals on planet Earth, and we'd like for him to find a little romance in his life if he could. You have speed dating at the brewery. Now, we joked about this, Dave Cook, myself, and Steve Potosha a couple weeks ago because obviously we can't be attending, or at least shouldn't be, because we're happily married, or as I said, married, because I don't want to speak for the others. But at the same time, we're real curious about how this has worked out. Can you take us through what it's been like at the brewery for speed dating? Well, interrupt for just one second, Dave. I think yeah, that yeah, the fact ahead. that it's at the brewery brings in people who have similar likes. I think this is a great idea. I didn't say it was bad. I just said I no, can't attend. So I, I want somebody else's perspective. Butter on top. Dynamite drop in. Go ahead, Dave Hoops. Well, let me give you a little bit of overview. So starting on Mondays in, in February, we're going to have trivia, which is going to be fun. Tuesdays, we have cribbage. Wednesdays, we have ping pong. And the first Wednesday of each month, that'll be whatever day that is, fourth, fifth, sixth, whatever. We have the speed dating. And it's a great place to do it because it's such a homey environment and it's really good for, you know, convivial, casual chatting. Now, these folks sit across from each other for a limited amount of time and then they're given topics. Ah. Um, And then they they throw them back at each other, back and forth. And I do believe last time one or two people left as a team, you know, who knows where that could go. But um, we had a lot, we had a big turnout and, People seem to really be enjoying themselves. It's kind of just a fun event. I, I as well don't really understand it, but I reckon it's great for people that are in that sort of mindset. And um, so we're getting a lot of feedback. And you can look at our social media stuff to get any more details, timing and stuff like that. But you just show up and you, you don't talk about yourself. Ask questions about her or vice versa. That's what I do. I like it. It really adds to the story of I went to the brewery and I went home with somebody. It's not what you think. No, no, no. It was speed dating. It was speed dating. So I want to ask the important question to me, A, is cherry ale gone, and B, even if it is, raspberry wheat's available, right? Those are my two favorites. 
Yeah, um, it's a really good time to be a hop lover. Number one, we have the number 10, the EPA, which is a single hop, single malt variety, really great. We've got 48, which is that ridiculous IPA that a lot of people like. And then, uh, yes, we have raspberry and we have cherry for, for days because we did double the amount this year. And so we've been selling it out in the market and we're selling it at the brewery. And we're even going to start selling. In fact, we're selling six packs of it at Mount Royal right now. 12-ounce cans. They're so cute. They're little tiny ones. I do love it. I I got a picture from Bob Gustafson, one of our great sponsors as well. So I do know at Mount Royal that there are plenty available. And most better hope I just don't get there before they do. (laughs) Yeah. And then, of course, we're going to have all the wild games, all the high school games, all the UMD you know, everything. It's typical wintertime for us. And then obviously you guys were going to segue into the amazing thing that Daha did for Laura, which is just unbelievable. So yeah, I talk, wanted to mention that. Talk about that a little bit because you guys made uh, youth hockey even better in this community and it's been great for so long. Obviously with Rink Rat, you've had proceeds going to Daha for a while, but you did something special in Laura's name this week. Enlighten us. Well, we were really, um, we've been really involved, of course, and all the memorials from Laura's um, passing went to Daha. And then um, a lot of the rinks turned around and, and donated as well as others. And they, they purchased some custom-made half boards. Or, well, they're full boards. They're, they're beautiful. They got doors, everything. But they split the rink in half, and they're portable. So they were at, at Portman the other night. And um, one side, it says, you know, Laura's Mighty Mites. It's, she would have loved that, um, even though she probably didn't want the attention. But she always loved watching those little kids. And the other side, it says hoops, and they can go anywhere. And then the next night, they had a... Uh, hockey fights cancer dilute these hockey and they had a bunch of games at heritage and they donated a big check to Solvay house in her name so they are wonderful people no doubt. absolutely that is outstanding to hear now you mentioned with the speed dating they're given topics and they talk accordingly that's not unlike what we do with part of your segment dave cook's got the topics for today i do start out with the uh with the vikings because i think it's i think it's timely right um okay so there's a number of veterans on the defensive side you've got kendrick's You've got Harrison Smith. You have Pat Peterson, if, if that's somebody that you're worried about. Um, even Zadaria Smith. Uh, guys, if you could choose one defensive, defensive player from the Vikings to keep the veteran, uh, who would it be? That's a great question. Uh, Dave Hoops, go ahead. To keep the veteran? One um, of them, yeah. One of them. Um, what's number 55, linebacker? Hendricks? That's Zadarius. That's Zedarius. Hendricks is 54. Okay, I'm keeping um, 54. Yep, 100%. Okay. I just couldn't remember his number. Sorry. I'm not, because for me, he looks slower than me during a 5K, and I said that exact words <laughs> in my column this week. Eric Kendricks finally looked. There had been rumors of him losing a step, and it showed last Sunday. I'm keeping Harrison Smith, because they called him the fixer. Ooh. You can do so many different things with him. And I talked about it in the first segment, the ability to find somebody to play alongside of him has always been difficult. I can't imagine him not being there and having two safeties of mediocre quality instead. I'm not sure how many years Harrison Smith has left, but I'm keeping him for at least one or two more. I I agree with you, Brian. I'm going to throw something out, though. Patrick Peterson. If you can convince Patrick Peterson to play a little safety um, opposite of Harrison Smith, I... Like I said, you can only pick well, one. Wait a minute, my I was going to say you Harrison cheated. Smith. You picked both. No, my one is Harrison Smith. I just want to explain why Patrick Peterson makes a little sense. Well, and I think it depends on where do you get more leadership if you're going extremely young at either safety or corner. Do you need Patrick Peterson to lead the kids at corner? Or can Harrison Smith as a safety lead an entire secondary that would then be kids? We know what Vince would say. Right. All right. I agree, Dave, though. I, he would have been my second pick, Peterson. I, I like that a lot. All right, I'm going to give you one, and then I have, I think we're a really cool one-third. I think we have time for two? Yep. All right, so, guys, uh, Dave, you're in the restaurant and the hospitality business. Brian, I know you you go and eat a lot. So what makes a what great... What are you saying? What makes <laughs> a great out-to-eat meal? Ooh, the meal or the location? Uh, it's what I'm saying. The meal is Wait, what but my... But you said meal. No, my question is the meal. I don't know what makes it a good one. Maybe it is the location. So it makes a good dining experience is what you're asking. I'm asking about the meal. I'll tell you, take it any way you want. Well, to me, meal means food, but Dave Hoops, go ahead. do your deal. Um, Well, number one, obviously, you're going to be choosing a place of quality, most I would expect. And then, so you're already going in and you're expecting a great experience and the ambiance really is key. The service is number one. And I think uh, Duluth people sometimes are a little bit easy on, on mediocre service. We're, we're not all that demanding here. We're not in New York City or something. Minnesota nice, I, I agree. 
Yeah, great service is number one, uh, number one. Uh, and, um, and then just being left alone and, and being able to, you know, enjoy your time with whoever you're with and, and leave feeling like, you know, you had a really great night. It's the, the, the food better be good. I'm not going to, why even go with that? Yeah. So it's all about the ambience, the service, and just basically the experience. Yeah, I don't have much to add to that. I think Dave Hoops covered that very well. The only thing I would say is there are some locations, I'm not going to name them obviously because I don't want to slam anybody, but there are some locations in our area that I will contend that the food's not that great, but it is compensated for by the atmosphere, by the service, by the ambiance. There are places that I will go and it comes time to order and I go, I don't know what I want. And it's not one of those situations where I don't know what I want because an entire page of the menu looks delicious. It's I don't know what I want because I'm not sure that's what I'm there for. What I'm saying is there are restaurants that I will go to and somebody will go, you go there a lot. What do you love on the menu? I have no idea. I love going. So I agree with Dave Oops that the food better be good. But surprisingly for me, that's not priority one. Yeah, you know, it's funny for me, it's, you know, trying to stay healthy. So right, I can enjoy there's the safety whole hour. for you with dining. Yeah. But Dave's right. It's about that. And, and in this case, the the uh, service level isn't just about being polite or anything. It's about willing to take a stand to make sure that the food I get keeps me healthy. All right, so here's a question I got asked the other day, and, and I think this one might be fun. All right, so I have a family that's relatively new to Duluth, and their student is a senior. High school or college? High school. Okay. They've all of a sudden realized they need to do senior pictures. Yeah. Where are some unique places in the city of Duluth where it might be cool to take a senior picture? Um, I'll I'll go. Um, First of all, I'm going to plug Amanda Jane Kane here. Um, Give her a call. Greg Kane's daughter. Um, So they're sorry. There you go, Amanda. (laughs) No, you're okay. I'll let the other um, photographers who might be mad at you take you up on that, but that's not a bad thing. Well, they're all great too, but all right. So <laughs> the, my, um, my guys, you know, the, the five musketeers, Finn and his boys, the, they were a club since they were like three, they went out to Brighton beach and on a windy, sunny, uh, like a sunny, windy day with big waves. And they got out there on the rocks as far as they could go. They put on their capes or their gowns, whatever. And, and she took a whole bunch or, I can't remember if it was her, but they took a whole bunch of pictures of them, you know, in different um, kind of Hogwarts poses, um, you know, standing tall in the waves, the whole deal that you really can't go wrong with the lake. It's kind of low hanging fruit, but that's, that's my pick. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing. You have a question. That's a good one, but you have a word in that question that makes it tough because you said, where are some unique places to take senior pictures? Well, I'm a Duluth native. It's not necessarily unique to me, but obviously you know, the area lift bridge and Inger tower and all of those places would be cool. You know, go on up to the the supper club. That is where JJ Astor and top of the Harbor used to be, yeah. you know, with the rotating restaurant and, you know, change your view and, and stay in one spot with the ability to do it. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of different things that you can do, but I struggle with the word unique because as someone who grew up here and has been here now for almost 44 years, it's, it's not unique to me. It's just stuff that everybody does. So there's two spots that I suggested. You can let me know what you think. First of all, the fence line, on the upper part of the armory, where you've got the armory in the background, but on the fence, it's a little industrial. You know what I mean? I thought that was different. Uh, and how about this place? This place was some, another person that was in our group suggested. The head of the rocks to the west of Bethel, where it's just kind of open there. And if you, depending on which direction you're going, you can have a behind you can be Blatnick Bridge. It can be downtown. It could be the rail yard, depending on what your interest is. Right. But because there's such a broad expanse, you can get lake or you can get community. And I was like, that is a place that I is wouldn't neat. have thought to about. Yeah, that is kind of neat. The other thing, too, is what are your interests? Because some of the coolest ones I've seen inside Wade Stadium for baseball people. Oh, yeah. You know, inside said home arena if you're a hockey person. You know, gymnasium if you're a basketball person. Now, I don't know if these different buildings will necessarily let you, but when kids have been able to do that, I thought it's looked kind of neat. And after all, we are a sports show. Got to plug the sports venues while I have the chance. Speaking of plugging venues, one more time real quick, Dave. Oops, we are behind, but tell people great reasons to come and check out the brewery this weekend. Uh, this weekend, uh, well, we're going to have the dogs on. You know, they're in Fargo, um, number one. Number two, we're going to have all these new beers, and um, that's going to be really great. And then we've got a bunch of different events going on there, which makes it really fun in there because there's people getting married. There's this, there's that. It's just going to be weekends are really exciting in there. So come drink some fruit beer. Have a good time. Sounds like a great time to me. Weekends are exciting. They're more exciting for us when we get to talk to you. Thank you, Dave. Oops, let's do it again in a week. 
Thanks, guys. Love doing it. Have a great day. Absolutely. You as well. That is Dave Hoops of Hoops Brewing, one of our illustrious sponsors. When we come back, we talk to another. Justin May is next. Stick around. We'll be right back. And we're back again on the Northland Sports page. Brian Prudhomme, Dave Cook. The houses are rocking. Our house here at the Holiday Center. We're going to talk some housing and some real estate in just a moment. Thanks to one of our terrific sponsors. Let's acknowledge them all right now. Yeah, let's start with the Blackwoods Group. It's a place that, you know, if you if you have a hankering for some kind of food, there's there's a place within the Blackwoods Group that you can go to. Um, Avenue 45, Brian Bement Mortgages with Supreme Lending, Mount Royal Bottle Shop, Kohler Toyota, and Kohler Hyundai, Stewart's Bike Sports and Trophies, The Incline Station, Arola Architecture Studio, Hoops Brewing, OAR Holding, Sammy's Pizza, Advantage Emblem and Screen Printing, and our next guest from Messina and Associates, Justin May. Absolutely. He is with us by phone once again. Justin May, good morning. And we're basically three weeks into the new year. What does three weeks into the new year look like from a real estate perspective, my friend? <clears throat> Things are finally starting to pick up. It's uh, getting a little bit more busy. There was a lot more listings that came on this week. And I think uh, the holiday cheer is over and people are starting to refocus on what uh, 2023 is going to bring. And, and it's starting to starting to get exciting again. Absolutely. That'll keep you busy, whether it's in the real world or on social media promoting your real estate ventures. Speaking of social media, if you count that, you and I technically communicated last night because you were looking for the Hermantown hockey score and they won a big one at home against Moorhead. They got the game winning goal with 10 seconds to go. But I don't know if you saw on your status update. I also shared the Cloquet Holy Angels final from last night. And you and I have talked about this before. What do you like better? The tight white knuckle finishes or the fire wagon hockey, or in the case of Cloquet last night, both. Cloquet and Holy Angels skated to an 8-8 tie. Have you ever seen anything like that in high school hockey? I haven't, and I would have been a nervous wreck. I, I always feel bad. You know, I was always tight with the goaltenders when I worked in that industry and <clears throat> had a special bond with, I think, every single one of them that I ever worked with. And I just always feel bad for the goaltenders' parents. And can you imagine in that kind of game, how that those parents felt. And I don't know, you didn't tell me if they pulled them or not, or if they both stayed in, but eight, eight, if you love offense, what a great night. I mean, lots of cheering, lot, great atmosphere. It had to have been, but the goalies parents had to have been just on pens and needles. That's crazy. And you're right. I haven't looked at a box score. So my other question would be how many goaltenders played in an eight, eight hockey game last night, Cloquet and Holy Angels, they skate to its eye. Holy Angels stays in town and takes on Duluth Marshall today. Again, Hermantown, the big win. And, one of the folks that works the table at Hermantown Arena wanted to remind me to be absolutely correct. I said 10 seconds left. Silly me, 10.3. I, I apologize for my horrific inaccuracy. <laughs> but Justin May, you talked about bonds that people develop, goaltender parents, what have you. You guys develop a pretty good bond on the Blizzard Tour, too. I want to touch on that briefly because it's coming up. Yeah, um, segue from hoops and one of the great spots for a picture if you're an avid snowmobiler where spirit mountain trail hits the old skyline parkway is closed now to the spirit hiking trail and the, the snowmobile trail and it meets the munger up there it's one of the most beautiful places in all of duluth one of my favorite places to take people that have never snowmobiled which brings me back to you two and getting you two on sleds because yeah. even though brian you don't think you can do it i know you can do it and i know you would love it so I want to get the both of you out before the season's over and go for a little ride, and maybe that's a spot we'd have to get a picture. But, yeah, Blackwoods Blizzard Tour is coming, doing a lot of scouting, all new rides this year. Um, Black Bear Casino got involved because we outgrew every other venue we were at. So getting excited, raising a ton of money for the patients uh, that are battling this horrible disease. We're already over a million dollars and on our way to two. Gotta love that. Now, I picture the picture you mentioned with Dave and I on sleds, but I picture me more of the sidecar type. How possible is that? Maybe we get Dave on a sled and I'm rocking in a sidecar. No, you're riding your own, and I know you can do it. All right. I, 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 know, I know in my heart that you will be an absolute snowmobile junkie one time if I get you on one one time. I love it. It'll either be one time and I'm done for a terrible reason or one time and I love it and we'll be going from there. <laughs> That'll be interesting. I want to make buy or sell easy again today and football centric like it was last week. Last week we did an opening segment predicting each of the wild card weekend games and Dave and I ended up with the same record. We got the same ones right and then we got different ones wrong. He got the Jaguars. I got the Niners. This is easy because we do buy or sell with four categories. This week, Justin, I'm going to have you tell me AFC twice and NFC twice. That's going to be easy. And there are four matchups, two today, two tomorrow. 
So buy or sell, the way I'm going to phrase it is I'm basically going to tell you who I'm taking to win. And then if you buy, you're with me. And if you sell, you're not. Would you like to start with the first AFC game or where are we going? Let's just go in order. All right. So the order in which they're played, it starts with the Jaguars at Kansas City. I've got the Chiefs. Buy or sell that Kansas City will win and maybe even win easily. Mahomes magic. Um, Jaguars pulled the the luck they had out of their out of their Good okay, job. I'll leave yeah. it there. Good out job. of their posteriors, yes. Kansas City by a long shot. You know, I believe in the horseshoe, right? Yeah. And so I think But the Colts aren't in this. I think everybody thinks the same thing you do. It's gonna be the Mahomes thing, and maybe that's the right way to go. I'm picking Jacksonville. All right. I like I like the risk you're taking. I don't know that Kansas City necessarily wins easily because the only team who did last weekend, truthfully, was the Cowboys. Now, you can say by the end San Fran did, but they were down at the half. So maybe playoff closeness, just like the league wants it. My mom will tell you sports is rigged. So maybe it's going to be a tighter game, but give me the Chiefs. All right, game two tonight in what should be a ruckus Philadelphia Eagles home game. I'm taking the Eagles even though I hate the idea. Buy or sell, the Eagles beat the Giants. I don't like it either, but how do you go against the sleeping giant that just had a week so off to speak. with with one of the best offenses that's played in maybe the last 10, 15 years, all the weapons they have? it's I mean, that's an incredible team. If they lose, it's going to be, I would say it'd be by coaching. They would coach it to lose. That's possible, but their head coach has been pretty good, but... You know, not unlike the Jaguars, I think the Giants kind of became darlings last weekend. Dave Cook, what do you got? I actually really like Justin's uh, take on this. I don't think they're the best offense in in the past decade, but you know what they have? They have an offense that makes everybody overlook their defense, which right. is really good, and they're the team that needed the off, right? They needed their quarterback to have a week off. I think they're going to run the Giants. All right. The first game Sunday, to me, should be the best one. Now, the odds makers think it's the final game of the weekend, and we'll get to that. But buy or sell, the Bills beat the Bengals. I think Buffalo gets it done, but not by a lot. What do you got, Justin May? Offensive lines hurt for the Bengals. There's your number one key. That's Anything my reason. That happened to the Vikings. So, good night, Bengals. Two years in a row where they were Super Bowl contenders, and they're not even going to get to the game this year. So, uh, Miami last <laughs> week played without it. Played without their quarterback. Had an injured number two wide receiver, who's a big deal for them and almost had the Bills late. Um, I got a sneaking suspicion that the uh, Cincinnati offense is going to be that much better than the Buffalo defense. Even of, with the banged-up line. Because Buffalo's defense not great, right? Uh, and this is going to be a high-scoring affair, so it could go either way. I'm picking Cincinnati late. You are being contrarian today. I like it. Now, PA just texted me. He kicks off our number two, but he's a little jammed up, so we've got two extra minutes, which you can decide whether that's a lot of time or not. But it begs me to ask another question. Let's say that Dave's right and the Bengals get it done. Now, Kirk Cousins is labeled as, well, you just can't win the big one with him. If Josh Allen falls short again, as good as he is, and I know he hasn't been in the league a decade like Kirk, Josh Allen has a much better defense on his team than Kirk Cousins does. But if Josh Allen fails again, how far are we from going, well, Josh Allen is good, but not good enough? Uh, In my opinion, a long ways because he's – he's the second or third best quarterback in the league right now. And he's still young enough where you can't label him like that yet. In my opinion, I I agree, but the end result is the same because we can't acknowledge when one guy does well, but doesn't win. Why are we not doing it with Josh? The difference is age, but you're right. He's on the path. How about one more difference? He gets a pass because he's usually losing to Pat Mahomes where Kirk Cousins just lost to Daniel Jones. (laughs) That would be the one argument I would listen to. All right, final buy or sell, final game of the weekend. This is party like it's 1994 or 5 with the Niners hosting Dallas. I'm going with what I want here. It's not much analysis, but buy or sell that Brock Purdy and the Niners continue this magical run and beat Dallas. I want to give all my time to Dave Cook because I want to go put money on his 0 for 3 picks so far. (laughs) So let's just see what Dave Cook has to say about this Oh, I love that, Justin. That's awesome. So this this game scares me to death because uh, this could be a really, really, really low-scoring game because I think Dallas's defense is going to bring the Brock Purdy magic train uh, to a stop. That being said, best defense going on in the NFL right now 
is San Francisco. Right. So I think we're going to see like a 10-7 type game. Oh, I don't. It could go either way. I As much as it just kills me to say this, I got to pick San Francisco. See, I don't think these two teams are capable of playing a 10-7 style game. All Maybe about quarterback versus defense. But Kyle Shanahan doesn't put anything on his quarterback with the way that he coaches the game. Brock Purdy is the weak spot just on paper. Brock Purdy's been very good, but everybody's going to go, well, you can't win with you know, your third quarterback. You shouldn't be able to. His wizardry allows you to. It's not going to be about Brock Purdy at all. It never is. Unless they take the ball out of his hands and make him make mistakes. I'll tell you what. I just asked about Josh Allen being in the same sentence as Kirk for failures. I can tell you who already is. It's Dallas' as quarterback. Oh, thank goodness. I thought you were going to point at me and say you're going to be 0 for 4, no, which I think Justin May is going to say. It's Dak. So if I worry about a quarterback trying to do too much and goofing it up, it's not the San Francisco quarterback. Correct. Again, though, that's proof We're all age. around the same age, and I think we all have this tough love fear of the Niners because of our mid-20s where they just dominated everybody, right. and I right. hate rooting for them, too. But how do you not root for Brock Purdy and what he's doing? Agreed. And, and what the kid's going to get paid at the end of the year by the next team that needs somebody, and maybe that's the Niners. But it's kind of hard to not root for the Cinderella story, even though it's the Niners. Really, is it Cinderella? Well, Brock is. Well, and I agree with you for a multitude <clears throat> a of reasons because, you know, San Francisco already made a difficult decision for themselves when they were choosing between Trey Lance and Jimmy G. They picked Lance and then didn't get to stick with it because of injury. Now what are they going to do if they're actually choosing between three on offseason from now? But as far as the, we have this fear of the Niners because of how they dominated decades ago, rubber stamp that on the other team. The Cowboys took turns with the Niners. I think you can hate both for the same reason. So honestly, it's, it's another blackout game. Let's call Minnesota power so none of us have to watch it. There you go. I like Ooh. that theory. Then if you're not watching the game, you can spend time maybe planning your next housing transaction. They want to do it with you. How can they do that, Mr. Justin May? 218-310-9559-MZR.com, 24-7. Give us a call. We want to help you. I love you, my friend. Appreciate it. Let's do it again in a week. Thank you, guys. Have a great weekend. Thank you as well. That is Justin May, our realtor at Messina and Associates. When we come back, somebody can talk the Vikings better than we can. We'll talk to PA with our number two. Stick around. We'll be right back.